Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I love the Bears because I love how they do their stuff. I think it's fantastic. I love the Bears brand. The Bears brand is kicking their fans in the package. That's what their brand is. And that brand is strong and consistent. Let me give you an example. The Bears spent the first part of the offseason allegedly, supposedly, reportedly chasing Russell Wilson, getting their fans all geeked up. And then they don't get him, but they end up with Andy Dalton. This is what I mean by their brand is kicking their fans in the junk. You want to talk about a shot to the fans' collective junk? You're all up here like, Russ, Russ, Russ. Yeah, couldn't get Russ. Give it our best shot. Hey, but what we did get was the Red Rifle. Not only did they get him and sign him, but they told him he was their starter. And he said as much back in March. He said, Dalton, quote, They told me I was the starter. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here. End of quote. So, they take a guy coming off a mediocre season with the Cowboys... And they say, you're our guy. You are the man. And then they run out with their Twitter account and they post a Photoshop of him in Bears gear with the caption, QB1. Like, not only did they go on record with it, they couldn't wait to get in your face about it. They couldn't wait to tell you it. They were bragging about it. So, of course, their fans, and their fans are smart, you know, insufferable at times, but smart, they lost their minds, understandably so, and they started to hit reply, and they were thumbing out things like, quote, holy bleep, delete this now, and delete this right now. This is actually embarrassing. So the Bears couldn't wait to get this to Twitter, and their fans couldn't wait to say, man, you're embarrassing the hell out of us. Stop, delete. And then somehow, some way, miracle of all miracles, the Bears stumble into Justin Fields in the draft. So they literally had a way out. They had a hope. They had a chance for their fan base to once again get fired up. They had a way out. And it gets better because Fields comes out in the first exhibition game and this dude balls the hell out. There was that TD run. Fields avoiding the pressure. Take it off. Right here. Right Justin Fields to the end zone will check the flag. Holding defense, the results of the play, touchdown. Shades of Ohio State. Hell yes, and pure electricity. The TD run, then the TD pass. It's a boot again, and Redmond is there to block. Throwback. Fields has Jesse James. Back pedals in. Fields with a touchdown, and the Bears take the lead. Nice I mean, play. what's not to love about this kid? And with those two plays, he officially becomes the most exciting Bears quarterback since Jim McMahon. Seriously, that's not hyperbole. That is not an exaggeration. That's not an opinion. That is a straight fact. Straight fact. With those two plays, the most electric, exciting Bears quarterback since the punky QB. One problem. These are the Chicago Bears. And that means that Andy Dalton is still the guy. And if you had forgotten that, Andy Dalton is here to remind you that he is still the guy. He was asked about the fans possibly, 
That's funny, right? Possibly preferring Fields over him. So Dalton then went to work. I know who I am. I know who I was created to be. I know um, where my identity lies. And so um, do I want the fans behind me and this team and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Do I want them behind Justin? Absolutely, I do. Um, but I, that's not my focus. I can't focus on all that right now. Um, like I've said before, Justin's going to have his time, and Justin's going to have a great career. But right now, it's, it's my time, and so my focus is on being the best player I can be for this team and do everything I can to help this team win. My dude. My guy. Hell yes. I really do love that. I love everything about that. Man, my man is just dunking on the Bears fans who want nothing to do with him and just hanging from the rim. You want to see Justin Fields? You do? That's cool. Just know this. This is my time. You want to see that electric rookie? Yeah, well, you're going to have to see me first. You want to see that kid and what he's got? Yeah, you're going to have to get through me to get to him. Nothing better than a 33-year-old Andy Dalton on his third team in three years posting up and declaring, and I quote, right now is my time. But right now, it's, it's my time. That is the best. Like, sit the hell down, kid. You take a seat, and you watch the red rifle fire. You watch me do work, son. You're mobile. You got a good arm. You're electric. You're athletic. That's cool. Have you seen anybody throw behind the sticks like this? Let me tell you something, son. The real pros know how to get a four-yard gain on third and eight. Watch and learn. You think you're going to be QB1. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, why don't you go back and check out that Photoshop from the team's official Twitter account that proves it is my job. Then shut your mouth and grab some pine and look, learn, and listen. Listen, I mean, what do you expect Dalton to say? Dalton's not going to sit there and say, yeah, well, the fans really seem to like Fields, so I think I'm just going to step out of the way and give the football to the kid and support him in any way I can. And I'm going to be very happy to be a backup. I mean, that'd be terrible. I just love that he's saying Justin is going to have his time, but it's my time right now. He's going to wait because this is my time. I'm telling you, I have not seen a Bears quarterback. Wait for it, clones. I have not seen a Bears quarterback stick his neck out like that since Mike Glennon reacted. Thank you, Alvy. I haven't seen a Bears quarterback stick his neck out like that since Glennon reacted to the Bears drafting Mitchell Trubisky by saying, and I quote, this is my team, and that's where my focus is, end quote. That's not just a long neck. That's a brass neck. A brass neck right there. Brass as hell. And it's the best. You see the team draft a quarterback with the second pick overall, and your reaction is, yeah, that's nice. This is my team. And if you didn't understand that, Glennon wanted to hammer that point home later on. Quote, it was made clear to me about 10 minutes after from a call from Ryan Pace and the next morning again that the 2017 season is my year. End of quote. Reason I bring that up. 2017 was his year, all right? His year to get benched in October. Bench the giraffe. 
job, Alvin. Alvin and I have done this a long time. The reason I bring that up, that's exactly what's going to happen to Dalton. Bench the rifle. Bench the salt. Not if, but when. Not if Pace and Nagy want to keep their jobs. And that tweet with Dalton as the QB1 guarantee is going to be the coldest take ever. Listen, I've got nothing against Andy Dalton. I like the Red Rifle. It's not his fault the Bears brought him in and immediately named him QB1. But know this, even he knows it's not his time. He had a time, and honestly, it was a pretty good time. A time where he actually led the Bengals to the postseason four times. No, he didn't win a game. But he led the Bengals to the postseason four times. He went to the Pro Bowl three times as a member of the freaking Bengals. I've got nothing against Dalton other than him telling me it's his time. No, he had a time. Not only did he have a time, he had a pretty good time. No one can take that from him. But that time ended. And that time sure as hell is not now. So, while he and the Bears pretend that it is his time, you Bears fans better hope that they don't somehow ruin fields in the process. Because knowing this crew, there is a better than coin flips chance that that's what's going to happen. It would appear they finally lucked into their quarterback of the future. Don't jack this up. Again, this is not on Dalton. Dalton did not bring Dalton in. The Bears did. Sort of like that Tim Tebow disaster in Jacksonville was not on Tim Tebow. Tebow didn't bring Tebow in. Herb did. That catastrophe was on Herb. Stop killing Andy. It's not his fault. He's Andy Dalton. QB1 isn't just going to give up being QB1 no matter what you say, no matter what I say, and no matter what every other Bears fan says. I just don't see LeBron live tweeting every Andy Dalton snap this year like he did Justin Fields in an exhibition game. But right now, it's it's my time. You got to love that. I, I think even he on some level might even believe it. So the unknown came in 2020, right? It changed the workplace forever. And while some of us are getting back to the office, some of us do find ourselves in a new normal at home. The future of work has changed, and so has the future of seating. X-Chair is at the forefront of home and office seating during this transition. And now X-Chair's newest innovation, LMAX Temperature Regulation, will take your seating comfort to a whole new level. Patent-pending LMAX allows you to experience cooling, heat, and massage in your low back. It is amazing. X-Chair LMAX delivers cooling, heat, and massage technology directly to your core, regulating body temp, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. All perks that make working from home or the office awesome. Here's what you do. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chairrome.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR and save 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairrome.com right now. Use the code XWHEELS 
for free X wheel blade casters. That's xchairrome.com. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis, it's been a minute or so since you and I last spoke. So first things first, how are you doing and how is your life right now? Man, thanks for having me on, man. Everything is great. Everything is great. I can't complain. We, we're back here in Cleveland getting ready for the season. Um, welcoming the, the New York Giants in the town today. So we're excited, man. We're excited. We're happy where we're at right now. I love it. It already sounds great to me. I love the energy. Listen, you've got a really good video series on YouTube, Just Juice. (laughs) And the first episode, I want to say, starts with the audio of the Chad Henney play from the playoff game in Kansas City. Let me start right there, and I love this series. What do you remember about that game, and then how much does that game motivate you? Man, I just, you know, I I just remember our season, you know, and what it was, you know, the ups and the downs and, you know, have an opportunity to make the playoffs for the first time in a long time here in, in inside of Cleveland, and then, you know, have an opportunity to be, you know, really that that much closer to the end goal and winning the Super Bowl. And obviously, we knew it was going to be a tough game for us. And you know, we played those guys really well down to the wire, some will say. You know, and um, I, I I think the takeaway from that it was heartbreaking. But at the same time, it's also something that, you know, allows us to look in, at ourselves and be like, hey, we can we can play with these these type of teams, you know, the type of teams that are top teams in the league. Jarvis Landry joining us. You know, I think you make a really important point. It's not just that you reached the postseason and advanced once you got there, but you did it while the team was battling through one obstacle after another when it came to COVID and injuries. What does that tell you about the kind of guys, the kind of character, the fabric of that team, and the mental toughness of the group? I mean, it's here. You know, that's that's in the culture that we've created. You know, that's that's been in the work. Um, that's been in everything that Coach Stefanski has been, you know, really – um, honing in on far as just allowing us to know, like, hey, guys, like, it's a long season. You know, everybody can hit the fastball, but, you know, the curveballs happen. You know, when the protocol happens, the, you know, injuries happen, and, you know, it's, it's next guy up, and um, we prepare that way, we work that way, and I think that that's allowed us to have the trust in, in each other to be able to build on, um, you know, what we've done. Jarvis Landry, my guest. Now, you had that huge touchdown in the win over the Steelers. That was a third down play. You get the reception. You make a guy miss. You run away from everybody. You score. You make it 14-0. I know you're looking ahead, but take me back to that play. What do you remember about that play? Yeah, I mean, I just third down. You know, third down is, you know, for me, my entire career has kind of been, you know, a down that I've thrived on. And um, I got my number called. I knew the ball was coming to me. And I really just wanted to make sure that I got the first down. Once I got the ball in my hands with some space and um, made a defender miss, uh, then my eyes were set on the end zone at that point. And um, to be able to get in and go up 14 on the road um, against a historic team like the Steelers um, was definitely something that for us was just more fuel to the fire and, um, and, and trying to win that game. Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry, my guest. So in the first episode of your video series, it's titled Camp Mayfield, and it starts with you guys arriving in Texas to work out with Baker Mayfield. I'm curious, what were the workouts like? What did you take away from them, both from a football standpoint and a chemistry standpoint? Yeah, man, you know what? It was, it was cool. It was, great to, it was great to see Austin from Baker's point of view. You know, he was a, he was a, great, uh, he was a great host. 
Um, and uh, but you know, it, it was it was work, man. We we went out to Lake Travis High School, and we we had two sessions a day, just throwing the ball, um, you know, talking through plays, talking through concepts, looks that we may have gotten throughout the year that we really wanted to um, get better at, and um, so we used that time to really get better, and then. You know, and when night came, as you saw, if you watched the video, just, you know, just hanging out, you know, having fun um, and enjoying our off-season at the same time. So it was a great experience uh, for all of us and something that has helped us being that we didn't have OTAs to be able to come back here and still have that, that mesh, that gel. See, Jarvis, you wouldn't make this point, and you wouldn't point this out, but I'm going to say it for you instead. You're coming off a year where you had a rib injury, you had a hip injury, you had COVID. When you look back on last season, does it feel to you like maybe that was your most challenging or difficult season? And then how good does it feel to have all of that behind you now? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It was tough. You know, it, it was a lot that went into it, and it was tough. You know, and it was tough on everybody, you know, not just me, but, you know, I think that that is, what has me so hopeful this year you know we've been able to figure out more COVID things and protocols and procedures and guys are vaccinated and things like that so you know that aspect of of it all is taken care of and then from there um my hip is feeling better um you know I've had time to train this off season instead of just strict strictly rehab so you know it, it's exciting and um it's looking promising Jarvis, I want to make that point, too. You, what you just said, you kind of glossed over that. The fact of the matter is, when you can't, you had hip surgery in February of 2020, and I'm not sure a lot of people know that. So what that meant was you did rehab, but you didn't do your normal strength work. You didn't do your normal development work. Like, what's it like to go into a season like that? Did you feel like yourself out there without having been able to do that work? Man, it was hard. Right. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. Um, um, but... It, it, Nobody talks about the mental side of having a major surgery and things like that, and you know. But it was it was, it was hard. A lot went into it. You know, I had a great support system. The Cleveland Browns organization they did an amazing job of, you know, just trying to make sure that I had what I need. But you know, going into a season with only rehab, you know, and no strength training, no uh, speed training, you know, it's definitely difficult to realize uh, to figure out where I would be at from from an athleticism perspective. Um, and gaining the confidence that I needed to be able to go out there and do the things that, you know, I know I can do. And as the year went on, I got a little bit better here and there. But for the most part, it was it was a year battle of just mental and physical struggle. Um, but, you know, I didn't have the season that I wanted to have. And um, I really took all of that into account this offseason to be able to go into training, to be able to get the speed work that I need and, and to be able to understand that last year I didn't really play as well as I did, but now I have the confidence um, after after surgery, being in a further away from surgery, to be able to go out there and feel like myself again. I was going to say, to be back to yourself once again, Jarvis Landry joins me for another moment or so. We know that you're loaded. I mean, loaded on offense, but they also made a number of additions on the defensive side of the football. How does that group look to you right now, the defensive unit? unit? Yeah, man. I mean, we man, we all learning. We all learning. We all working. You know, I would say you know, everybody that we've added has been key to you know the development of the guy that's across from them as well. You know, everybody that's been brought in, whether they're a draft pick or a free agent signing, has challenged the guy across from them. Has challenged their position. You know, and um, they're earning it. 
you know, they're earning their right to be able to be called a starter or um, to really be um, you know, a brother on this team. That's something that's very important with the guys that we added, AWOP, Greg, JJ, um, Troy Hill, Clowney, Clean, you know, guys who are also proven in the league, you know, um, have some stamps under their belt. So it's going to be good to see. Hey, Charles, really quickly, we talked stats at the very top of the program. You've had a really incredible career, and you've had a really amazing journey. You have the Jarvis Landry Building Winners Foundation. I could go on. I know you've got a lot of football left in you, but at the same time, do you think about your legacy and the kind of legacy you want to leave, and what would that be? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think before we mention off stats, before – they mention off stats or they mention off, you know, NFL history or records that I've broken. Like, I hope they, like, you know, talk about, like, the teammate that I was, the leader that I was, the dad that I was, the person that I was. Um, and 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 let that kind of just speak for itself, you know, how I carry myself, how I try to make people around me better. You know, uh, I think that that's something that I, is part of the legacy that, that I hope is, is led with before all of the catches and yards, touchdowns, and hopefully we can put a Super Bowl behind there one day. What about that yellow blazer? Is the Hall of Fame something <laughs> that's anywhere in the back of your mind? Of course it is. Of course it is. You know, that's that's one of the reasons, you know, we, 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 we all play this game, you know, to be to be able to be in that um, specific category of, of greats, of legends that have played the game. So that would also be a a tremendous honor. He is a five-time Pro Bowler. The NFL record for most receptions in his first six seasons. Healthy, locked in, ready to roll. Jarvis Landry, my guest. Like I mentioned, Jarvis, it's been a moment or so. Man, so good to get caught up with you. Great to have you back on the show, and thanks for making time. Really good to talk to you, Jarvis. Same, my brother. Have a good one. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Shohei Otani. And I want to start this. I'm not trying to get to the end of this because I have lots of thoughts on him. But Shohei Otani, and literally in a way, I, I don't need to worry about running out of time. There's nothing else to say, really. That's all I need to say. Shohei Otani. He did it again. He's not only the best thing happening in baseball, he is the best thing happening in sports. And even that might not be enough. That might not me me being or me going far enough. He's the best thing that's happened in sports in a very long time. And if you don't believe me, check out what he did last night against the Tigers. Fans show up in Detroit hoping to see Miguel Cabrera make history. He was looking to get his 500th career home run. That's not what they got. Instead, they were treated to the show. And it's the best show around. It's arguably the best show ever. Because he was the starting pitcher and the leadoff hitter for the Angels. And all he did was go eight innings, strike out eight, walk none, and allow a single run. Like, I don't care who you are or who you're pitching against. In this day and age, if you strike out eight 
over eight and you allow one run and you don't walk anybody, that's a hell of a night. And if you do that in a tight game from start to finish, that's even more impressive. And like all greats, this guy did his best work late. Because if you want that true Shohei experience, it went down in the eighth inning. Two to one game. He let off the top of the eighth. He fouled off the first pitch. And then this guy did this. Oh, Tony got it. He got it. baseball a mile <laughs> hey is there ever a drop the mic moment in baseball that might be it right there with that swing yeah. to show hey or in life i mean again this dude this freaking dude that measured 430 feet that clocked at 110.1 miles per hour off the bat and i'm not even sure those numbers truly do him justice the moment was so absurd there were mvp chants In Detroit. Think about that for a minute. His 40th home run of the year. He continues to be the major league leader by a country mile. You know how amazing Fernando Tatis Jr. is, for instance, right? You know how special he is. You know how he is a generational talent. He's six home runs back of Otani. And it's not just that he's a great home run hitter. Because he hit his 40th jack of the season in the top of the eighth. It's not just that. He then worked a 1-2-3 bottom of the eighth. Did you hear me? This guy hit his major league leading 40th home run and then came back out to the bump and worked a 1-2-3 eighth. And I'm not talking about a guy coming out of the bullpen to work a single inning 1-2-3. That was his eighth inning. And he was still hitting high 90s on the gun. Like, I feel like I've done this before, but it's still not nearly enough. I feel like I've got to find the highest rooftop I can and just start screaming because this guy is making the freakiest thing ever look totally normal. And instead of freaking out about it, folks are barely even acknowledging it. Here's something else I want to mention. He's hit 40 home runs and allowed 33 runs on the mound this year. He has more home runs then runs allowed over the course of the season, right? I'm not talking about a guy who came out and pitched his first game and hit two home runs and allowed a run. He has more home runs than runs allowed on August 19th. It's deranged, right? Like the most jacked up stat I've ever heard, and not just in baseball, but in any sport. One of the most jacked up things I've ever heard in life. This guy has more home runs then runs allowed on the season, and it's not even close. Like, that's not supposed to happen. That doesn't happen. That can't happen. And yet it is. It's happening right now in front of all of us. You need more. He leads the majors in home runs, and he's 8-1 and one as a pitcher. He's got 40 home runs and an ERA of 279. He's got 40 home runs, and he struck out 120 guys in 100 innings. Like, this dude is melting minds every single night to a degree that we have never seen before. Like, for instance, this isn't like, say, Giannis being a great offensive player and also winning defensive player of the year. I mean, that's part of how basketball is played. We've seen that before. Baseball is different. Baseball is about specialization. You find that one thing you do well, 
and then you specialize in it for years, and you forget everything else. You're a good pitcher? Great. Never pick up a bat. You're a good hitter? Cool. Don't ever think of picking up a baseball and pitching again. Like It'd be like Aaron Rodgers leading the NFL in passing, but then lining up at safety and having a bunch of pick sixes. It'd be like Patrick Mahomes doing freaky, no-look passes all over the place, and then coming off the edge and getting double-digit sacks. Otani hitting his 40th home run in the top of the eighth and working a 1-2-3 bottom of the eighth is like Tom Brady throwing touchdown passes and then jogging over to the sideline for a moment and then coming back out as middle linebacker, like as the Mike on the next series. And again, he didn't just hit his 40th home run. He pitched his best game of the year as well. 90 pitches to get through eight innings. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Do not compare this guy to Babe Ruth because he's doing stuff that is better than anything Ruth could have ever done. It's a fact. At a higher level, against way better competition, with a greater degree of difficulty. So stop calling things Ruthian. Time to retire that and come up with something new because Otani really is that good. It is a CBS game. Joey Bosa is my guest. Joey, it's great to have you on. How are you doing? How has camp gone so far? Hey, Jim. I'm, I'm doing well. Oh, that's a serious echo. Hold on one second. Um, I'm doing well. Camp's been going well. Um, yeah, I'm echoing so bad. It's freaking me out. That's <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's not awesome, but it, it's. No, let me put you on hold, Joy. Hold on. It kind of made me laugh because, man, that that is echoing so bad. It's freaking me out. Let's fix that. Joy Bosa. So, again, the Chargers are going to open up against Washington. They've been having joint practices with the 49ers. And he's got an echo, which is freaking him out. I know exactly what he's talking about. That freaks me out, too. You get this thing where, like, you're talking, but you hear what you just said, and it's a second later, and it's not clean. So the best thing to do in that case is to reestablish the phone line. In the meantime, you got yeah, a potential defensive so player of the year candidate in Joey Bosa. And he had a great, great college career at Ohio State and is having a great NFL career, too. And we'll try it once again. Back to it. So, Joey, talk to me. Is that better? Does that sound cleaner to you? Yes, clean. I, I, I have trouble enough talking, so with an echo, it's, it's futile. Well, man, you're already crushing the interview. You're already <laughs> nailing it. Nice. And so I mentioned that you got a, a situation where you've got joint practices with the 49ers today and tomorrow, which means you and your brother Nick are going to be uh, out there at the same time. Fans think that's pretty cool, and they're excited. What's it been like for you and him, though? It's been great. I saw him yesterday. He came over to get a lift, um, as usual. <laughs> but um, he's doing well. He's not practicing out here today or tomorrow, unfortunately. I'd love to see him go against our guys. But he's got to take it easy on the knees. He's looking great, feeling amazing. So it makes me look – all my teammates are like, damn, Joey, you need to you need to hit the gym a little bit. I'm like, come on now. I like it. Enjoy posting my guest. But um, – no, he's he's looking great. It was good to see him. It was good to to see his team. I, I met a lot of the guys uh, a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. But good group of guys. So it, it's definitely great work. It's always good having another team out here to kind of test where, where you're at, you know. 
I love it. Joey Bosa joining us. I think, Joey, it's easy to overlook, like, because you guys are mainstays and we're so used to seeing you in the spotlight that, yeah, you know, they're there. They're great. It's cool. It's a great story. I don't think that really does it justice. I mean, it's incredible to me that you've got brothers like that having dominant careers. How much pride is there for both of you to have not only made it to the NFL, but to be playing at such a high level? I'm sorry, ask the, ask the last part again. I'm just saying, how much pride do you have in the fact that both you and your brother not only yeah. made it, but are playing at such a high level? Because I think it's an an easy thing to overlook. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it is easy to overlook unless you take a second and really um, think about it. It's it's kind of shocking also having my dad. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's just amazing to, to have this opportunity and I know we both put a lot of hard work into it and my parents sacrificed a lot to make sure we were at practice every single day had everything we needed um, we do have some, we do have some pretty good genes so we got lucky on that end definitely um, so but it's uh, it's amazing um, it's it's great that I could I get to watch him and learn from him and the other way around obviously but uh, at this point year six it just you can get caught up in it and it's just like every other day but when you really take a, a second and sit back it's pretty unbelievable it is exactly my point i i agree with you joy Bosa is joining us it is amazing to me really now i had your new head coach brandon staley on the show shortly after he was hired i loved everything he had to say man he's just got this infectious energy this passion he's got a lot of that it what's it been like for you to work with him and develop a relationship with him yeah, it's going really well so far. Like you said, infectious uh, personality. He, he, Travis, um, Travis Benjamin just walked by, old teammate. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, like I was saying the other day, he can uh, he goes into any position room and he can talk ball with every one of the players. He knows technique, he knows the scheme. He's just a football guy, for for lack of a better term. But um, he's really intelligent when he gets in front of the room. Um, Everybody's listening. He really has good things to say. They all it always has has a point and a purpose. Um, never feel like we're really wasting time around here, which is something that kind of uh, you do feel sometimes. But um, he's he's been great. I love his energy. I think he, he's made it very clear what he sees, how he sees me, fitting this defense, and what my role is. So I'm I'm just really excited for the whole staff, honestly. We're talking to Joey Boso. So what about that, Joey? So what about your role, your role in that scheme? For instance, obviously you're not going to just rush the passer. Is he going to have you doing lots of different things, like you'll put your hand down, sometimes you'll stand up? What's it been like to learn that new scheme and that new role? What's that feel like? It's definitely been a challenge. Um, you know, for me, it's usually line up in a five technique, maybe do a little slant here and there. Uh, but usually it's, it's running up the field, rushing the passer. But um, – it's just, it's just been a, a little adjustment, obviously, having to see formations, understand these, these checks, and uh, really hearing the whole play. Pre- previously, I'd really only have to hear the first part and get, get my line, uh, get the setup, and I'm good to go. Now I need to know the checks. I need to see the formation, see the receivers, see the motion, see everything. Um, it's uh, it put, putting me out of my comfort zone a little bit, which is definitely a fun challenge. Um, it's it's making me grow more as a player and understand the defense more and offense. So uh, it's been, it's been a fun challenge. I definitely think I'm going to be rushing more than I'm going to be dropping, but uh, it's definitely been a, a fun challenge for, in my sixth year. It's kind of, kind of got a little repetitive doing the same thing over and over and over again, but um, you know, it's, it's been enjoyable. 
Joy Bosa joining us. I appreciate that response. And I'm glad you mentioned your sixth year again. I was going to say, man, six years already. I know. I hey, can't believe it. Yeah, what's that feel like to you? Uh, I mean, I always say that the days are long, but the years are fast. It's hmm. just like um, when you're in it, it does feel like a grind in a long time. But you look up and you're in year six already, especially with last year. Um, felt like it didn't even happen with the whole COVID, COVID season and all that. And then my third year, I was out for nine weeks. And, man, when you're injured, time just seems to to fly by because you're kind of out of it a little bit. You're just uh, it's, you're out of the loop a little bit. But um, it's been an amazing ride. It's it's pretty crazy that I, year six just doesn't sound right. It maybe feels like year four. I mean, my body definitely feels it. But um, it's just uh, it's flown by, but I've, I've really enjoyed every second of it. So let me interrupt this process to say for somebody who allegedly doesn't like to talk very much, dude, you're a good guy to talk to. Let me just, yeah, let me right. just jump in with that. Uh, over, over six years plus, I've, I've gotten okay at it. Yeah, you are. No, you're better than okay. In fact, you've gotten to the point now where, like, you said something really funny I thought about your teammate, Chris Rumpf, and he's a rookie edge rusher. He's got this enormous personality, but you said, quote, when I'm tired like that, I'm like, Chris, just shut up for a second. <laughs> End quote. Dude, that's really funny. What's it like having him around, and then how bright is his future? I think it's really bright. Uh, like I've said in a couple interviews, I need to, he needs to put on a few pounds, a little string bean, but uh, he's he's really gifted and really smart, has great energy. Like, I, like you were saying, he comes out every single day ready to go. Unfortunately, he's been out the last couple of days just with a bruised heel, so he'll be back very soon. But I think he's got a really bright future. He's got a great combination of of energy, effort, and and skill, and uh, natural ability. I mean, he can bend, he can use his hands well, and he he learns fast. So it's just need to keep him going. Need to need to get him to get off the ball, gain some gain a few pounds, and I think he'll be has a really bright future. Yeah, Joey, really quickly. So it's it's pretty clear that you've got knowledge and wisdom and experience now, six years in, that you can impart, and you do so to young guys like that. But what's happening is also after games, you've got opposing players who come up to you and they want to pick your brain and they want your advice. What's that like, and how do those conversations typically go? Yeah, it's it's sometimes uh, it's hard to believe. Sometimes that, that guys are coming up to me. I'm like. Even if I didn't have a great game or what, or this and that, I kind of I'm shocked. They're like, "Man, I've been watching your film. When you do this, what?" I'm like, "Oh wow, okay." Um, and then I I just get in the ball and I just I mean it's something that I've been doing for my whole life and I have a really good understanding of how I rush the passer now. And uh, I mean they have great questions. They're usually asking about some technique or something that they've seen of mine. And it's it's a really humbling experience that uh, guys are watching my film and learning from me. Because it just kind of feels surreal, but uh, I love talking ball. It's something I can um, at least pass rush. I love talking, but um, I, c- I could talk about it all day. So I-, I love giving them tips, and then you know, seeing it translate to the field. I think that's very cool. Joy Bosa joining me. Joy, one last thought before you leave. I want to ask you about something off the field. When players have had the chance to participate in My Cause for Cleats, you have supported more than four, which is pushing for increased funding for pediatric cancer research. I just want to be very clear about this. This is not a condition of this conversation, but I'm really I'm moved by your involvement in that. For those who don't know, how did you first get involved in that cause, and why is that so important to you? Yeah, I met my buddy Sean in, uh, uh, where the heck was it, in Houston for the Lombardi Awards. I actually saw him two years in a row at MD Anderson. 
Um, and I mean, he was, he knew more football than I could ever hope to know. He knew every team, every college team, every player. And I probably was talking to him for 30 minutes for an hour, maybe an hour. And I mean, he just touched me and it's, uh, at this point, I mean, to be, to be blessed with what I have and, and to be able to give back and really put life into perspective when I think I have a tough day because my foot is sore and I'm out here practicing in beautiful California doing what I love to do. Um, being able to go there and spend time with those kids and, and see how they can have a smile on their face and stay positive through going through real problems and, and hell that they, they have to endure is just, it's really close to my heart. And um, to be able to help with that, it's just, it means a lot and, and fulfills me a lot. That's awesome. He's a defensive end with the Chargers, a two-time All-Pro, a three-time Pro Bowler in year number six. Joey Bosa on the program. Joey, great job, man. Sincerely, really nice to talk to you. Really appreciate the conversation. Let's do it again soon. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. It can happen so easily. You're out with a few friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few then becomes a few too many. It's time to go. And then for a moment, you think of calling a ride. It's time to go, and for a moment, you think of calling for a ride and then think, nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home fine. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Play it safe, plan ahead, and get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, this guy wants to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. Tyler, it's good to have you, Tyler. How are you? It's good. It's uh, it's actually Tyson Rome, but... Uh, it's- That's not a good call. No. Yeah, no, it's not. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. All right, Tom. Rule number one. Get their name right. Ernesto... Ernesto, what's going on? Hey, Jim. Good day, man. Uh, original four affiliate, baby, and been here with you for 30 years. And congratulations, Jim, on all your accolades and the movies, the TV, the kids, and, and Janet, man. Good good job. Anyway, Jim, yesterday you were talking about the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders on the Strip. And... You know, I was shocked to hear that story. I, I, I was naive. I didn't even have a clue. You know, my, we, my brothers have been in the restaurant business here in Albuquerque for 30 years. And TIPS is T-I-P-S, to ensure proper service. And when you get in good and start tipping your wait staff, your cook, your driver, whoever, your dry cleaner, anybody, and make make it consistent and be consistent. They're going to hook you up. These people got the inside track on all the Scoobies, the ducats, the, you know, you order a, a shrimp and, and, and fries a little lunch basket and you get a six piece of uh, ribeye with it, you know, and uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. And you guys have got to get a clue out there. You'll get so much more if you just tip and to hook your people up and then be consistent and just keep showing up and hooking them up. Be their lifeline. Ernesto, anyway, let me jump in and respond. You're right. 
you and I are on the same page. I'm talking about a story that broke that the Raiders, not every one of them, but more than one of them, are developing a reputation on the Strip in Vegas for being bad tippers. Tyler Gilbert is my guest. Tyler, it's great to have you. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Dude, good. I'm really good. Now, you've had a few days for this all to sink in. Can you take me back to Saturday night when you think about that game? Since it's got to be sinking in now, what kind of memories and moments immediately come to mind? Yeah, it was um, it was a crazy day. And it's definitely kind of all settled now. And I'm looking back on how crazy it really was. But um, it was just cool to have my family and friends there. And just to share that moment with them, especially on the field after the game, um, I got some photos from from that, and I'll be able to keep those forever. So it was just something really special, you know. Tyler, the thing is, like, I've done this a long, long time, and I've followed sports my entire life, but it wasn't until I had sons and my two kids played baseball and just, you know, kind of normal, like, Orange County travel ball, but you see how tough it really is, and you see how the families are involved. So when you say to me it meant that much because your family was there, I kind of get a sense because I'm just talking about the father. I'm a father of a couple of kids who played high school ball and it was always amazing. To really set the stage, though, and so people can really understand what you accomplished, you're from Felton California. You went to Santa Barbara City College before I went to USC. Because I'm a UC Santa Barbara guy, I love that part of the story. What was your time in Santa Barbara like? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it was good. I out of, out of high school, I, I got a couple injuries, so and then I wasn't really thrown that hard out of high school. But uh, I didn't really get. I never got any D1 offers, so I went down to Santa Barbara City College because I wanted to get out of my hometown and I wanted to just go do my thing and continue to play baseball and and, uh, down there was fun my head coach was Jeff Walker and um, pitching coach was Justin Naspergen and they really helped me and I I developed more it was like probably the most important couple years of my life in terms of development because I put on weight and I got stronger and then I started throwing the ball a little bit harder so those two years were very important for me I like hearing that Tyler Gilbert Vaquero all right, so you were with the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Then you got sent to the Dodgers last February. I'm curious, what was your mindset at that point, and what kind of expectations did you have for last year? Yeah, when I got traded over to the Dodgers in spring training of last year, um, it was it was kind of a, a shock because I've never been traded before in like six years, whatever it was. I thought I, thought I was going to make it to the big leagues with the Phillies because I was who drafted me, but it was cool uh, – it was cool being part of the Dodgers organization. You know, that's a really uh, fun team to be a part of, and they're just so stacked up and down. You know, so I knew that the window of opportunity there might be even smaller. Um, so, but then I got sent home because of COVID, and yeah, I, that that was it. Tyler Gilbert, my guest, that was it. But then, kind of, it wasn't right because you end up not playing any organized baseball last year due to the pandemic. And instead, you spend the summer doing electrical work with your dad and throwing bullpens to an old coach from high school. Like, what was the year like for you? Yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, it just made me realize how much more, like, I I wanted to play baseball, you know. Like, it kind of fueled me even more to uh, get back on the grind because being home for the whole summer was just, it was weird. It didn't feel right for me. And it just kind of drove me even more into the off season, like working out and stuff. And yeah, it just made me really realize how much I want to 
like I'm not done playing baseball for a long time. <laughs> Tyler Gilbert, my guest. So, like, what was it like being an electrician? How were you as an electrician? I've been doing it for a few years every off season, so I'm I'm not bad, but I mean I'm still learning, you know. And my dad, he's he's been doing it his whole life, so he knows what's going on. But uh, it's a valuable trade to learn, and it opened my eyes up, you know, watching him, what he does for a living, and how he paid the bills for us growing up. And you know, he's a hardworking guy, and so it kind of inspired me, you know. No, I love that. that, and that's that's how you get that kind of perspective. Now, the thing is, people who've watched you would point out that you just kept getting better. You were always on the improve. You had a 2.83 ERA in AAA in 2019, and your cutter was getting better. So when Arizona selected you in the Rule 5 draft before the season, what was your approach to the opportunity? Yeah, I was happy with a new, with a new organization, you know. It was cool that getting picked in that Rule 5, I know, I know that – that they wanted me and so it, it was uh yeah i think it was just a lot better opportunity for myself because like i said the daughters have a lot of a lot of guys a lot of guys and uh i didn't care who i was going to the big leagues with i just wanted to go with someone and so i was i was ready to go like coming into the spring training i was i was so ready you know See, the thing is, I mean, all anybody ever needs is an opportunity. All anybody needs is somebody to believe in them and give them that shot, and you got that. But then you get there. What was your reaction when you heard that they wanted to make you a starting pitcher and make that change from relief pitcher? Then what did you think? Yeah, so then I was I was kind of thrown off by that because I haven't, I haven't done that in four, four or five years, whatever it is. And But when I heard that, I was like, okay, so this is mean, this this means something, you know, like, they see they see me hopefully adding value to the big league club at some point this year, becoming a starter or a long relief, and so I was all on board. You know, I it actually I like this role better because it gives me a little more more rest for my arm, and um, you know, I, I didn't really care. I just wanted to do anything that they thought would bring value up here. So it's kind of all, that was kind of my perspective. All right, so you, you didn't want this thing to get too big, and you wanted to manage it, and you had the perspective. So when you get that start on Saturday, like given everything you've been through, what kind of emotions were running through you before your first ever major league start? Uh, you know, I would go in and out of nervousness. I, I really would before the game. And, um, you know, I had my parents here, girlfriend's parents, some family friends, a lot of, a lot of people here and stuff. And I knew it was going to be – I knew I was going to be nervous. I mean, I was – I got some anxiety before, you know, a few days before. Um, but once I got out there, I was like, you know, it's the same game. Like I've been saying when I debuted, it was, it's the same game, you know. Nothing nothing changes besides who's watching you, I guess, and all the, the bright lights. But it's actually fun. It's like it's cool to be a part of this, and it's a fun environment to play in, you know. Tyler Gilbert joining us. It's the absolute best. And I know I spent a lot of time kind of setting this thing up to get to this final part, but the plan was for you to go 85 pitches. But midway through the fifth, Tori Lavello thought that a no-hitter might be possible. And then bullpen coach Mike Fetters told him, if you're thinking about making a hasty decision, remember, this is his first major league start. Tori said he started thinking differently at that point. Like, did you have any sense that you might get taken out? Uh, you know, after the fifth inning... My my pitch count was still pretty low, and I, I obviously was aware that there was no hits. And I kind of, after that inning, I kind of thought, like, once I give up, or at least into the sixth seventh, and seventh inning, like, if I, if I was to give up a hit, then I probably was going to get pulled out, especially in the eighth and ninth. I mean, there's no doubt on that. But 
um, no, I was happy. They just they kept letting me go out there, and it was uh, it was awesome. So when did you first be, or when were you first aware that you had a no-hitter? Like some guys will say, yeah, I know, as soon as I get out of the first inning, I got a no-hitter. Other guys get into it, and they're like, oh, I didn't even know. When did you? When were you first aware of it? I was first aware of it in, around the fifth inning. Hmm. Um, I mean, I've had uh, previous times where, you, you know, you get no hits through three or whatever, and fourth inning rolls around, first guy gets a hit. So, like, it didn't really hit me until about the fifth. So, what was the mood like in the dugout? I mean, as the game wore on, were guys talking to you? Were they trying to avoid you? Were you looking to talk to other guys? What was going on inside the dugout? Yeah, nobody was saying anything to me, really. I mean, especially later in the game, everyone <laughs> kept their kept their distance, uh, which is just, it was good. You know, it's an unwritten rule not to say anything when that happens, and everyone was on board with it. All right, so a couple of quick things. You mentioned your family. Your family was in the stands for the game. Your dad was so fired up. And with each out in the later innings, you could see it. What did it mean to you to have them there and to share that moment with your family? Um, it meant it meant everything. You know, I've been working so hard to get to this point, and then for it to explode on a scale like it did, it's just incredible. You know, it. So it meant everything. I mean, they've been by my side this whole time and helping me get through certain situations and. Um, yeah, it just it all led up to to this point, and and it uh, just was amazing. And I I just, now I'm just going to continue to work to stay here. I I think the only way for me, Tyler, to end this and bottom line this is you just joined Bobo Holloman, Bumpus Jones, and Theodore Breitenstein as the only pitchers in Major League history to throw a no hitter in their first start. Fact of the matter is, dude, if you're getting mentioned with Bobo and Bumpus, you know you're doing something right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had no idea who those guys were, but, I, but I, I like their names. Oh, dude, best names ever. Oh, no!